0: If you're here this morning and you're just carrying a burden and you wish somebody would pray with you about it, I'm going to do that right now. I'm not going to come where you are. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up, and then I'm going to open this in prayer. Is anybody that say that's me? There seems to be a cloud in this room, and I want to address the spiritual cloud that's going on. Look at there. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you now, and Father, we're not enough. We thank you for these challenges that remind us that we're not enough. And Father, we do pray for these burdens that we're carrying. And Father, forgive us for not praying like we should. But Father, we don't know how to solve them. We can't solve them. And Father, we come to you and ask that you will lead us through them. And Father, that you will work in the midst of them that you will do your will that you will rescue the lost that you will show yourself strong that we can father you tell us we can cast our cares on you because you care for us but yet father we cast them on you and then we take them right back and father we do this morning we leave them with you and out of faith and out of trust and father we want to be responsible with our part if you give us instruction we will do it and father i just ask that um, the work that the enemy is doing in the body and in our lives will be um, will fall out for the glory of the gospel but that we also ask that uh, that you will alleviate his hand and we pray that the schemes that he plans for us will turn back and so father the uh, he has no authority unless you allow it And so we trust that if you've allowed it, there's a purpose. And we look to you as the source, Father. And we uh, ask that you will guide us in every step of the way. And Father, lift these burdens from your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. You know, when we think of freedom... A lot of people associate the word freedom with America, right? We come here to be free. We want to be free. We get people traveling this way now for that very reason. But when we also think of freedom, we think of prisoners or hostages or even rescued animals being released. We rescued this seal and nursed him back to health. And now we're, we're giving him his freedom and we're letting him go. And so freedom has to do with being released. But this morning, well, with that in mind, this morning, we have been released and are now free. And we're told that by these verses. But what most Christians don't live free. They live in bondage. They live with a struggle. They live um, hoping to eke out an existence through the day. Hoping to just barely make it. And God has not called us to survival, He's called us to life, eternal. And so this morning, we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are wait, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that we will not be confused by these verses, but that you will, through your Holy Spirit, reveal us to <laughs> us the truth of our freedom in Christ. And Father, help us to not go back. Help us to not turn back to the thing that taught us that we needed Christ to just go back into slavery again instead of enjoying the freedom we have in you. And so we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we look at freedom, we are going to learn to stand firm, where to look for our justification. And the working of faith in us. We're going to see all those things. And so he begins with stand firm. See, we're told here, he begins in the very first uh, verse of chapter 5. That it was for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free to enjoy the benefits of being free. Not to be under this yoke of slavery. Not to be under this burden of you have to do this to be accepted by God. Not to be under this burden of, of, well, you missed it today, so you're not going to be acceptable. It was for freedom itself that He freed us. It was for the joy of freedom. You were set free to enjoy the benefits of freedom. And we need to explore our freedom in Christ. We need to explore our freedom in Christ. Not wonder about it. Be... Saddened and, and unsure about it, think that it's unfair and how could that be true? Or rely on our own and, and having our own value by making contributions ourselves? It's not where our value is found. So explore your freedom in Christ. And he says, therefore, if we're going to do that, therefore, keep standing firm. See back then and even today it took a firm stand to choose Christ because the law was the thing they had this law for for centuries that they had followed and they knew and it had it had aged and become this relic from God himself and they were walking away from that and they was their security was in understanding this and even the Jews had added laws to the law so that you didn't break the law which is really interesting they had explanations and they had all these, these lists of additional rules so that you understood what you can do and what you can't do and so he tells them to stand firm. See, if we're going to keep standing firm, we can't lose our confidence in Christ. We can't lose our confidence in Christ. You can't stand firm in something you doubt. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had moments of doubts. You know, maybe you've never had that, and I think that's fantastic. But, I mean, have you ever wondered where's God? <laughs> You know, if he still loves me, if all, how could this be going on? We've all heard that, said that. Or how much more am I supposed to take here? How much more do I have to endure? And we start blaming God for that. And because we say that, well, he could stop it. Instead of blaming him, we ought to be asking, if he could stop it, why isn't he? Now, some of us would conclude that He's just a bad guy. Or he doesn't really love me. Or this is all a joke. Instead of looking at our own selves and saying, what is he doing in me through this circumstance, through these things? To show me himself. And it's so easy to put our eyes on circumstances. Listen, I'll tell you one thing I've learned. Circumstances are going to be good and bad through your life. You ever had a week that had good and bad things in it? You ever had a string of just bad things? It's like, man, will this ever lit up? And then you, we sometimes we have those weeks that's like everything just falls right into place, and we like, why can't every week be like this? And so we make decisions and choices based upon circumstances instead of Christ. We choose them. Instead of him. And these here. Were being lured back into. This acceptance based. Or this works based. Idea of what it means to be a good Christian. Or what it means to be a follower of the creator. And those things were never meant to make us a follower. They were meant to reveal to us the fact that we needed a relationship with Christ. And once they've done that work, they're not gone because they still reflect the holiness of God, but the source from which they happen changes. It shifts from self-effort to the Holy Spirit within you fulfilling the very things that God has written in His Word. And so it's no longer up to us. It's up to Him. That's why it's important that we stand firm in Christ no matter what the circumstances are because one thing that will change is your circumstances, but Christ never will. Then why are you and me so flaky? Right? How come one day we have confidence in the Lord, the next day we doubt Him? because you're not convinced. We either don't believe He really is who He says He is. You know, let's call out the truth here, right? Amen? Mm -hmm. You either don't believe what He says about Himself, or you just completely going to go your own way. And then, and, or God is just a candy man. He's the guy that drives the ice cream truck. So when we're hot, he brings us something cold and refreshing. And that's what God's all about. Let me tell you. God is holy. And if we're going to understand who he is, you've got to stand. And you know what? <laughs> the idea, just the idea of standing firm When we think of something standing firm, what do we think of? Maybe hurricane structures that are built. We think of something that's braced well. We think of something that's (laughs) solid and it's got the right kind of concrete and the rebar uh, built into it. Why do we make all those things like that? Why don't we build bamboo huts on the beach? Because we know resistance is coming. We build hurricane structures. Because we know hurricanes come through there. We build, th- we build reinforced concrete. Because we know it's got to take the weight. So when he tells us to stand firm. Rest assured there is resistance coming ladies and gentlemen. Aren't you glad you came today? (laughs) We feel that burden. But you know what? You already know that. It's not anything new. We know we have an enemy. Amen. Amen. But sometimes we don't think he's real. Or he's really going to target me. He ain't going to target me. Because I'm not a threat. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't ever want to not be a threat to the enemy. Speak for yourself. You know what? I want my life to count. I want it to matter in God's kingdom. I don't ever want it to skate by. You go, well, I'm saved. Some will be saved as of by fire. And have nothing to offer You know what we offer? We offer our obedience. We offer the things that God did through us by getting Mark out of the way. So we're called to stand firm. Listen, it's a choice. He says, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Do you know what a yoke is? It's not that yellow thing that comes in your egg. Well, that is a yoke. But that's not the yoke he's talking about here. A yoke of slavery, if you understand the culture of the time, it's the ring that goes around the ox's head and sits right there at the shoulders. And if any of you ever put a a halter or anything on a a large animal, if they don't want it on, (laughs) it ain't going on. It's not going on. A thousand pound animal can tell a a 200 pound man, and that's being generous, 200 pound man that I ain't putting that on. So when he says here to don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery, in other words, don't take yourself and put it back in and slip into it. Because if I'm in Christ, I'm not in that yoke. And if I yoke myself to that, then that's what's going to lead me. And so we're no longer led by the Holy Spirit then, we're now led by the law instead of this very Spirit of God. And so he says, don't do it. Don't go back. Stand firm in Christ. Stand firm. He moves on, and that was verse 1. He moves on from verse 1, our justification now when were we justified when we received Christ as our Lord and Savior right all our sins from birth to death were dealt with amen we stand now perfect before God that's how he sees us we're united with Christ he's united with us he can't do that with sin That doesn't change. I don't come in or out of that relationship. I don't become sinful again by sinning again because that was also dealt with. What if somebody is going down the road and I'm driving along? And they run me off the road and I say a bad word to them as I go over the cliff and I die at the bottom of the thing. Am I going to heaven or hell? Why? Because that sin has been forgiven. But I would prefer that you don't run me off the road either. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all been dealt with. We don't need to go back into a list of right and wrongs. We've been taught that already. That tutor has been released. Our justification. So he says, if you receive circumcision. Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now I'm going to deal with some of these verses. Because I have heard these verses talked about. As how you can lose your salvation. And we're going to deal with that this morning. As well. If you receive circumcision. Christ will be of no benefit to you. What? Well, let's talk about it. If you begin to trust works to accomplish the mission of Christ, He will stop working through you because He does not want want to encourage trust in self-effort. If I begin to trust in... Doing certain things to advance my Christian cause or my Christian life, then it will not be, it will not flourish in Christ because that's self righteousness. And self righteousness is not acceptable, it's not based upon what you do. We do what we do based upon our relationship with the Lord. And he will frustrate it. He will bring it to nothing. He will make it turn out bad. Because if he allows success in that area, then what will happen is we go, oh, well then I'm going to stay on that path. And that's not the path he's laid out for us. Justification and understanding it's very important. See, if you want to trust in works or the law, then you've got to do it all. It's amazing to me. We go, well, we've got to do this and we've got to do that we've got to do this as a Christian. It's in here. And you know what? It is in here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't covet. Don't steal. Don't murder. If you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. We don't want to talk about that one. Gluttony. We definitely don't want to talk about that one. Especially with a potluck coming up in two weeks. It's all in there. But the source by which we accomplish that is not self-effort. It doesn't work. We are a failure at self-effort. If self-effort worked, why did we ever sin to begin with? Well, I was too young and I didn't know better. You knew better and you did it anyway. That's what sin is. Sin is only sin to those who know right and do it not. That to me is where the age of accountability comes from. And it ain't seven. It's whatever age a child begins to know what's right and he chooses not to do it. Then they're responsible for their sin and only them. Can somebody be 35 and not responsible? Yeah, they can. If they don't have that understanding. If there's a problem there. Absolutely. And so justification. (laughs) You got to do it all. But in the people that want the list. They don't want to do it all. They don't want to go back and sacrifice. They don't want to do the wave offerings. They don't want to take the bread into the the temple. They don't want to do all that. They just want to do these things. So what we have then is now we have selective legal justification. Well, you know what? I do most things well. I've never murdered or or cheated or any of that. And so I'm all right. We categorize sin. We have small sin and big sin, don't we? Well, I don't do the big stuff. But now this other thing, that's something else. Because I kind of like that. Come on now, God knows. Jesus died for it, you know. What's the problem? But you can't trust that and the law at the same time. You can't have both. We try to have both, don't we? You can't have both. You can't have it both ways. And I'll I'll tell you this. If you kept Every single letter of the law and never broke any of it from the moment of your birth, I'm going to tell you, you would not go to heaven. Because there is no justification found in the law. We are conceived in sin, we are born sinners. That's not a popular view. There'd be some who would disagree with me. But the Bible tells us that justification is found in Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Not by perfection and living according to the law. That's nowhere in there. So the law was never meant to do that. Yet we want to go back to it and wonder why we're not flourishing spiritually. If we would just do this, if we would just do that different, then we would be better Christians. No, you have already been given everything, 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 say everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything is not, you're not lacking anything. But the enemy will lie to you and tell you you're not enough. He's going to tell you God's holding out on you. That's what he did to Eve in the garden. He's going to tell you there's things God hasn't revealed to you yet because you're not ready. And so you don't have what you need. You don't have the resources. And it's not true. It is not true. See, if you turn to Christ for salvation, you have already recognized that we did not keep the whole law. So in returning to it, we are already failures. And so if I go back to it, I'm already failed it. If I've turned to Christ once, I've admitted that I've done, I I needed saving, right? I've admitted that I didn't keep it. So why would I go back and trust it now after I already said that I violated it? Right, That's the argument he's making here. You can't have it both ways. And so there's no justification found in the law. So you who are seeking to be justified by the law have been severed from Christ and fallen from grace. You ever heard that? Well, that means you can lose your salvation if you go back. That's not what he's talking about. This has nothing to do with that. Nothing. So all of those radio messages you've heard or sermons you've heard that says that you can give up your salvation. That's not true. Jesus said, all the father has given me. I have kept except one that the scripture may be fulfilled. Well, and I got good news for you. You ain't the one. Now, there's some discussion on that there's recently that was news to me. And I've never had something I'm looking into. I have to understand what Jesus meant by that. But it's not more than one. (laughs) However that one, however that study plays out, which was really, I think it's somewhat insightful. I want to do some more work on that. But it was only one. And you ain't ain't the one. (laughs) And so you don't have to worry about that. You're not severed from Christ. When he talks about going back, we sever from him, and here's what he's talking about. In Christ is found grace, right? Grace, he, just, he gives us grace. He gives uh, mercy, and salvation is found in him. If I start trusting something else, when I say that I'm severing my, I'm no longer finding my life in Christ. I'm no longer hearing what he wants me to do. I'm no longer enjoying the benefits of fellowship with him. I'm falling away from grace, not in my salvation, but in the experience of the calling that God has on all of our lives. Because as you receive me, so walk ye in me. When I come to Christ and he pours out his grace on me, He also pours out his grace on me to accomplish the work that he calls me to do. And when I walk away from that and start trusting the law again, it stops because he doesn't want to encourage me down the wrong path. And so understanding our justification is important. We have to walk with the One who gives grace and life and peace. We have to walk with Him. Not in our own strength. Not in our own direction. Not in our own power. But in the power of God. In the moving and leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we don't, God will fall silent. And the power that comes with Him, the power the expression of Him in and through our lives, will also go quiet. And so understand that you, if you're in Christ, you have been justified. You're not still working toward that. You're not still working toward that, and so we see (laughs) that we're to stand firm, and we've seen that our justification—we've seen where to look for our justification—is Christ. But next, we want to move to the working of faith in us. See, for in verses five and six, it says, "For we through the Spirit by faith." are waiting for the hope of righteousness. And that sounds really wonderful. That's like godly language, right? That's in God's word. And we go, oh, that was really nice. What does that mean? So let's take the words and look at them. We're going to break it down. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the earnest of our salvation. Right? Aren't we told that in His word? He's the earnest. Do Do you know what He's talking about? When, anybody ever here buy a house? When you fill out the contract, you have option money and earnest money. It's down payment to let them know you're serious. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on you. It's let us know that He's serious about us. It's the earnest. It's Him saying, I'm serious about you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit when you're saved, when you turn your life over to me. And then it says, by faith. We know from Hebrews 11 that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the substance of things not seen. So we have confidence in what we don't see because God's in charge. We have confidence in Him. Because otherwise, if we don't have faith, if we don't have any confidence in God, what are we doing? Hit the road. I wouldn't be here. Why waste my time with this? Some of you may think I am wasting my time. That's between you and the Lord. I'll tell you what, Jesus is not a waste of time. Everything else is. unless it's something he's using for us to build relationships to the furtherance of the gospel, the encouragement of others, or even the weeping with them. Do you know weeping with other people can be an encouragement? You ever been encouraged by somebody just feeling your pain and shedding some tears with you? You know, I had a dear friend die last Saturday. I cried for three days. Still close. <laughs> I didn't even know that that's where I was in my relationship with him. Completely unexpected. We had plans for this month and for several years to come. Just like that. You never know. Nobody saw it coming. Even his own family said we hadn't. This completely took us by surprise. we got to live by faith, folks. Then he talks about the hope of righteousness. Well, you mean we hope for righteousness? No, the hope of righteousness. Not hoping for it. We're not hoping we become righteous when we come into faith Uh, with Christ, we're righteous immediately. So the hope of that righteousness is this. Our righteousness in Christ allows us to go be with him upon our death. So when he says, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through the confidence that we have that God has said, I'm serious about you, by faith, our trusting back in him, we are waiting For the hope of righteousness. We're waiting for the fulfillment. Of the moment that we get to be there with him. We look forward to our future. And so in Christ. The outward effort. Doesn't mean anything. We must walk in faith. Because of our love for him and others. Then God can work through us. It's what he does through us. It's what he leads us into. It's what he fulfills and he empowers in our lives. And we have to listen. And we have to obey. And we have an enemy, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a world that's fallen. We have a devil that hates us. We've got the world that is going to come against you in every way. We have a flesh that doesn't always want to get up and do those things. We have a flesh that says, you know, I would rather do this. I'd rather be laying on the beach or hiking in the mountains. Or I'd rather be going doing something else. This is hard. I don't want to do that. Nah, nah, nah. And it pouts. And it cries. and goes, well, well, God doesn't love me because everything's not coming up roses. I encourage you to read your Bible. Not because you have to, because you get to. The godly men who we consider godly, Abraham, Moses, those uh, David, stuff didn't pop up roses for them. Moses, uh, in obedience to God, had over a million people complaining and griping to him. Does that sound like God's will for your life? That's exciting, right? God's called me to let a million people gripe and complain. And when he prayed, he said, your people. (laughs) And he blamed God for what was going on. David was a scoundrel in a lot of ways, but God used him. He killed people. He killed a man for his wife. We would say that's not a godly man. That's not what God says. Because if God judges us by what we what we do, then David should have been it should have been taken out, right? I I would take him out. But that's the seat on which Christ will sit. That proves that God does not after your relationship with him does not see what you do as disqualifying it's relationship now he may come along and say mark you shouldn't have killed that man and there's wasn't there penalties for David for doing that absolutely but he didn't lose the relationship. He didn't lose it. And he's still used. He's in the lineage of Christ. Oh my gosh, that makes no sense. Fantastic. Because you ain't as smart as God. And I ain't either. And I probably ain't as smart as you. You ends. God is God, folks. We walk by faith and we have to trust him. If you don't trust him, you'll never walk by faith. You'll never do it. Trust Christ at his word, not yourself and your own effort. You've already admitted you're a failure in that if you turn to Christ. Why would you go back to it? Don't go back. So, if we're going to stay on the path of faith and not go back, We need to be aware of a few things. I'm going to give you guys some heads up. I'm going to throw some flags in the ground. You know, like when you're about to dig, they come out and put the flags and mark the ground so you don't hit the lines and stuff. I'm going to throw some flags up for you. The allure to work for the Lord is found in us trying to find value in ourselves by doing our part. If you're not being led by the Lord, To serve him. The only other leading we have. Is I want to have value by doing that. You know I want to contribute. What do we say when somebody invites us over? Can I bring something right? Because I want to contribute. I want to have some value. I want to feel like I'm worthy for what you're doing. Instead of just receiving the grace gift that you're giving me. And if you doubt me. You can call Terry and I anytime and invite us for dinner. We're available sometimes. But you guys know what I mean. And so, now, but but Pastor, you don't understand, I just want to do something for God. I want my life to matter. I want my, you know what? I think that's fantastic. The key isn't Picking something yourself. The key to that is responding to that leading and listening to Him. And as you do that, He will show you that desire comes from Him. But if we're not listening to Him, if we're not willing to do what He says, then it switches to being something we do so that we feel acceptable. You have to be careful well, but I'm a godly person and I just want to do what God wants and so I'm trying to figure out what that is. Let me ask you this question. Have you asked him? Have you asked him? If that's that's really what your heart is, you know, let's cut through all of this. If that's really your heart, have you asked him? I want to serve him. What would you like me to do? Isn't that what we do when we walk into somebody's house? Is there something I could do? We ask the householder. Why don't we do that with God? We want to come up with something really cool. And if it's something we come up with. That's not God ordained. God will frustrate it. Now. What if it is something that God has asked us to do. And we're obedient to, or obedient to it. And we still face obstacles, right? How do we discern the difference? Isn't that a great question? I'm so glad you asked. You discern the difference not by the obstacles because they're both going to have them, you discern the difference by the origin from which it started from the, the, where the work starts. does it start from the Lord speaking to you or you speaking to Him? Well, I'm going to go do this. You know, at one time in my life, I wanted to serve so bad. I was in the choir. I was leading a bus ministry. I was a pioneers leader in Awana. And all of those were full-time <laughs> volunteer jobs. And there was a man that came to me and he said, Brother, you can't do everything. You've got to do what God wants you to do. And that made me mad. Because I wanted to do everything for God. But my heart was in it. But what I realized is that heart needs to not, it's in the service, but it's in Him because of the service. Or it's in the service because of Him, sorry. And so we have to be careful. Our value is found in Christ. And our part is faith. We don't find our value in the work. I'm not valuable because I can do something for God. I'm valuable because God loves me. Period. That's what makes me valuable. Not what I can do. You ever sat out there and people talk about service and you... And you had that thought run through your mind? I can't do anything. You ever had that thought? I did too. I still have that thought. <laughs> you? you your doing, you know. No. Not about that. The answer to that is true. That's actually a truth. But it bothers us because we want to have value. Because we're finding our value in the service instead of the Lord. Our values found in him, our services an outflow of that. We can't get that backwards. and don't think that I'm, I'm undervaluing the work that people do. I'm absolutely not because God does that work through you. That's an expression of him. Just make sure that's what it is instead of an expression of you. We can do a lot of things and God never have been involved in it. There are some mega churches that I've seen that I'm not sure God's there at all. Because you know what? My Bible tells me is narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and broad the way that goes into destruction. Truth is not valued anymore. Feelings and emotions are more important than truth. Well, you can't say that to them because that'll hurt their feelings. Yeah, but it's the truth. You ever heard, I mean, right? You ever heard those conversations or had them with yourself? And so listen to him and obey. One. Two, you cannot get any more righteous or justified by what you do. Live a life of gratitude and join the opportunity to participate with him in his work here. It's a joy. It's. The opportunity to participate with him. That's it. Some of the greatest joy is seeing him work in others' lives. Well, Pastor, what about the verse that says, you know, uh, we're studying to show ourselves approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? Yeah, you should study the Bible. Not because you have to, because you get to. Imagine if God opened that door and brought into us a sheet of paper and says, I have these words for you. We would form a line to read what he just gave us, right? We knew it was him and not some weirdo. We have it. And there ain't no line. We have it. It's here. Three. We have a tendency to complicate things. When people get involved, they complicate it. Just love Him, listen to Him, and do what He says. That's what it means to walk in faith. That's what it means love him, listen to him and obey him. And the emotion you have really is joy. We're called to enjoy the journey. And should the good boy does, good girl does this. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy it. When the enemy comes against you, say Hallelujah. If the enemy's mad at me, I know I'm on the right path. You ever meet those people it seems like they have like no obstacles in their life? Like everything is always coming up roses? Everything's wonderful all the time? Let me tell you something. Number one, that's a lie. Number two, if it were true... Maybe they're not doing what they're called to do. Somehow not how God works. What did Jesus tell Peter the night he was betrayed? You're going to deny me three times. He Peter, faced persecution that night. One was a little kid. The last one was a little kid. Hey, here he is. I can hear a little kid. Hey, 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 is. hey, I don't know him, he swore. I don't know him. That's when the rooster crowed. We're called to enjoy this journey, folks. You're free. You're free. You know, I was reading the story about this guy. He was, he was a worry, we would call him a worry wart today. Have you ever met those guys They just worry about everything, and you know, worried about this, and worried about that, and he's not—he's just wringing his hand. What am I going to do? And then his friend bumped into him, and he seemed to be at complete peace. He had everything was fine, and he said, "Hey, man, what happened? What what happened?" He goes, oh, I solved my worrying problem. He said, I hired a guy to worry for me for $1,000 a week. And he looked at his friend and he was puzzled. And he said, how are you going to pay $1,000 a week? And his friend looked back and he said, that's his problem. (laughs) The moral of the story is when you turn something over, you have to let it go. When you turn your life over to Christ in salvation, you have to let it go. That way it can come back from Him. The way He originally planned it from the foundation of the world. You have to let it go. That's hard to do. I know we don't like this one. I don't like this one either. I'm with him. I feel it. But it's true. When we do, though, we discover the new life that he has for us. Don't look back. Look up and follow him. Amen. then Who everybody somebody bow their head and close their eyes?